Nice to see you. I promise I will not ask you this week to come out and lie on the floor like I did for uh, this man last week. Yeah, okay. Not quite as radical maybe as that today. Okay, good to be with you. We're continuing our series today on God is. Turn to your neighbor and tell them something that God is. Okay. Shout them out. Come on, let's have them. God is? Trinity. Faithful. Good. Powerful. Awesome. Any more? Patient. Here. He is. I want to say something right at the beginning. The presence of God by his Holy Spirit in this room is just as tangible as if Jesus himself was standing in here. Jesus said, I will send another. So the Holy Spirit of God today in this room, just pause for a second, just take that in. Because if Jesus came right now physically and stood in the middle of this room, I wonder what it would look like. To be honest with you, with all due respect, the meeting would be wrecked. Let's be honest, the meeting would be wrecked. Because everybody would just come over and Every single sick person in the room, Jesus, please. Every person that's been battling with every depression, please, Jesus. The same Jesus is here, right now, by his Holy Spirit. Just as I preach, don't wait till later. Just reach out for his touch. No, because he's here. That's why he sent us the comforter, the counsellor, the advocate, the strengthener. The spirit of God is here. So let's just welcome him. Why don't we just do that in our hearts now? Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Come and do what you do in me and in us. Amen. Okay, today we're looking at God is omnipresent. It means concerning God that he's present everywhere at the same time. I don't know about you, that blows my mind. Am I bouncing back here some? Echoing a little bit? Is it okay? That means today God can operate outside time zones. So when someone today in Australia cries out to God for help, God is there and he's able to help. When someone in Colombia cries out to God today, when someone in the UK cries out to God right across the time zones, God is ever-present in every place at every time by his spirit and he's able to cope with every single demand, or every, not demand, wrong word, every, every single asking, crying out for help, he's able to cope with them all over the world. He's ever-present. That's astounding. Astounding. God is everywhere at the one time. In other words, as Bill Hybel says, in other words, anyone anywhere in the universe today, right now, might say, the Lord is in this place. Wherever you are, God is right there, right now. I don't know about you, but I think that changes things slightly when you're aware of that truth. Okay, I didn't know my wife was going to quote the scripture today, but I'm going to read this passage of scripture to you. Today, when I just had a little final run over, I found this hard to read. Okay? It's quite painful to read because of what we as a church have gone through recently. Okay? So bear with me, but better than that, why don't you read it with me? 
So if you want to read out loud with me, let's read it together. That doesn't mean it's easy, but it's true because it's the word of God. Okay? Thanks, guys. Can we have the next slide? Let's do it together. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inmost parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Some people get more days than others. But you's right. That precious little one today is in the most beautiful place you could ever be. I'm a bit jealous. There is no place like home. There's no place like being in the Father's presence and being loved and cared for and treasured and nurtured and blessed beyond belief. But we, we feel, as a family of the, in the church, we feel the pain of those who are left to face the consequences. Our hearts grieve. But we don't end there. But we must say these things, okay? We, we're not here to kid on stuff's not tough. But here's what we do. We say life can be tough, but we have a God we can trust. We have a God we can put confidence in and we can press on and he can help us because we know he's reliable and he's trustworthy. And the thing that struck me is even when I was formed in my mother's womb, he was there. <sighs> not, just, not just he did his work and he put me together. He was actually there overseeing the process. Wow. Okay. Andy read a scripture to us today that said about accessing by faith. I want to say this to you with all the passion in my heart. We can know in our heads that God is omnipresent. We can think it's a wonderful truth. We can tick a box and say, yes, I believe in the omnipresence of God. But you see, God's calling us today to more than just believing that he's omnipresent. He's looking for a response from us to his omnipresence. Accessing by faith. In other words, we come to him today and we say, I acknowledge you as the omnipresent one. And here's how I'm going to respond. Faith is action. We respond. I want to ask us a few questions today. Here we go. Number one. Next slide. Thank you, guys. God's omnipresence provides us with an opportunity to receive his comfort. I want to I say to you lovingly, that involves choice. Christians struggle 
the sovereignty power of God, man or woman's free will. Here's what I'm going to say to you. God is omnipresent. He's all-powerful, but he calls you and me to make some decisions to step into what he has for us. So today you could leave and say, okay, God's omnipresent. See you later, Al. Thanks very much. Bye. Or you could say today, I need his comfort. I'm stepping forward. I'm pressing in. I'm choosing to receive his comfort that he has for me today. Here's what Jesus says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Some translations say, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit of truth. Jesus says, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Wow. He's not only, if we're a believer, he's not only with us, but he's actually living in us. We are indwelt by him. That's incredible. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It doesn't say, God's drawn near to you, now you do this. No, it says you draw near to God. You take responsibility. You draw near to God and you'll find that God will draw near to you. Take that step of faith, that step of trust and walk towards him. I want to say to you today, if you need comfort, then his omnipresence, his being here is available to you that you can receive comfort because the spirit of God himself is the comforter. I don't know about you, but uh, if I need comfort, I want to invite the one who is the comforter. And the comfort and love of our brothers and sisters is very important. We need that too. But he is the comforter. So I want to encourage us today, whatever you're going through, if you need comfort, say, Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you, you're omnipresent. I, I step forward. I receive the comfort you have for me. Number two, God's omnipresence provides us with an opportunity to live free of fear. I'm going to take some time on this one today because fear is a faith killer. I'll say it one more time because it's absolutely true. Fear is a faith killer. If you go across all our churches, across the globe, I'll bet you one of the main reasons why we don't experience as much of God in our gathered times together and also in our lives and community throughout the week is because we live in fear. And I'm going to be honest with you, we all have fear at times. There are certain things that we're fearful of. Now, initially, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I think I will. <laughs> I was up in Glasgow recently for my holidays, and uh, you're saying, who goes to Glasgow for their holidays? Well, I do, because I love Glasgow. That's my home city. That's where mum and dad are. That's the main reason, my sister, that's the main reason why I go. I certainly don't go for the sunshine, okay? That's for sure, because when Scottish people see the sunshine, they go, what's that? What's that? God truly is miraculous, okay? Doesn't happen very often. But I went to this shop called Home Bargains, and there was, I'm very childish sometimes, so forgive me if we're a bit immature here, okay? I saw this game up on the shelf. It, it had plastic poo. Your kids would love it. And you put a basketball hoop on your head, right? And you can get this plastic poo, and you lob it in. I thought, that sounds quite, that sounds quite an interesting game. I won't be buying that one for my wife for Christmas, but okay. I thought to myself, and do you know what? This is the honest truth. When I saw that game, I actually felt God speak to me through a stupid game. Here's what he told me. Not audibly. Here's what he impressed upon me. Be careful what you fill your mind with. What I saw was a basketball hoop on top of my head. That's the way the game's played. And then the, the kids chucked poo in. And I thought, do you know what? That's one of our problems. Excuse the French, we let a pile of poo in. 
when the enemy lies to us. So I consulted with one or two friends and I think they were trying to be nice to me and suggest that that might be going a wee bit too far if I was to act that out today in church, that some of you might think he's being a bit childish with his poo game. So look, I found a bingo game instead. All right, watch this. Satan is a liar. He has thousands of lies in his box. This is prophetic, you need to hear this. Yeah, watch. He comes along, this is your, this is your thinking, this is your mind, look, and he pops one in. I know your background, you could never make it. Have you seen every heart attack in your family? You're next. Why would God ever consider you? You're a rubbish father. You could never be any better. Your marriage can never be better because it's been pretty broken from the start. Shall I keep going? Your husband can never get saved. You'll never get healed. I could stand here all morning and I could keep going. He is the father of lies. That means it's his native tongue. That's what he speaks all the time. He's a liar. Watch this. This is what God showed me. You've got to line the balls up. You've got to line up the lies. Watch. Get them lined up. Help me, Ben. I'm sorry. Missed it. <laughs> My wife will kill me if I lose these balls because it's a French game. <laughs> right. Well, sorry, that was figuratively speaking, not, 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 not physically. And watch. Ready? We line the next one up. Yeah. We line it up with the word of God and we say, garbage. Line it up with the word of God, garbage. My husband can be saved. God is a healing God. You keep going. You line them up. And then you release, come on! Come on! I'm fed up. I'm fed up with the enemy lying to me and lying to you and telling you all these lies. You've got to line them up with the word of God and say, not true, load of garbage, load of poo, if you want to call it that. Be careful, not too rude. And then release it. By the renewing of your mind, you release it. Thank you, bro. And you need to hear that word today because seriously, God, God's, God often speaks to me like visually, like pictures. I don't always get words all the time, but sometimes things, things in life just speak to me. And I just want to say to you, that prophetic word, I believe, is so important in living free of fear. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. I think he's talking about battles and stuff and war. My adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp me, the whole army get round about me, my heart shall not fear. Wow. The war arise against me. Yet I will be confident. Don't know about you. Anybody in this room want to be like that? I do. When everything around me seems to be a disaster. Everybody's coming after me. My enemies are coming after me. I cry out to God and I have this confidence and my heart is free of fear. Fear is the faith killer. I won't go into details, but I meet obviously lots of people who, who know and love Jesus. And this is on my heart today. This is one of the biggies. We need to kill it. We need to kill fear. 
because it stops us from being the people God's called us to be. It stops us from being the church that can go into everything God has for us. Pray for us as elders too, that there'll be no fear, that we'll trust God and believe God and press forward, even if it looks, what? How enough could God do that? Let's believe God and resist the enemy's lies and the enemy's fears that he puts upon us because it stops us from receiving all that the Father has for us. I hope you're encouraged by that, but also challenged, okay? I've seen people with these t-shirts. Have you seen them? No fear. I'm not sure I could wear one, truthfully. But I'd love to be in the place, wouldn't you, where I literally have no fear because the ever-present one is always with me. And everybody else needs to be scared of the great things God might do. I shouldn't be scared of anybody. Okay, thirdly, God's omnipresence provides us with an opportunity to grow in trust. It's linked to what uh, the previous point was. But it says, when you pass through the waters, Isaiah says, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Sounds like Daniel to me. And the flame shall not consume you. It's really possible, people of God, it's really possible to trust God when it looks like he's not really there. We sometimes think, where is God in this situation? Where's he got to? Is he gone for a snooze? Is he going to Ibiza for a fortnight? Where is he? What's he up to? It's possible to trust God even when the situation looks impossible. That song today we sang, when the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes. It's when you feel like you're about to drown and go under, I'll lift my eyes. Where does my help come from? The psalmist says. Let's move on. God's omnipresence provides us with an opportunity to grow in courage. This is brilliant. This is Joshua. Have I not commanded you, God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hands up those in the room who've come from another country to be here. Brilliant. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Even if you go, as Deb said earlier, even if you go across the seas, even if you fly to get here. Amazing. He will be with you. Isn't that fantastic to know? Joshua ordered the officers, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. I love this. Watch this. God says to Joshua, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged, don't be scared, I'm with you. It's okay, let's go. Joshua could have gone, yeah, thanks Lord, thanks very much, I'll just go back to my Sky Sports, uh, it's a super Sunday, I'll chill out, I'll watch the telly, I'll, I'll not do much, God, God's going to be with us. No, 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 look at what happens right after God speaks to him. He acts. He acts on what God said. So Joshua ordered the officers. In other words, get ready. Get ready. God's about to do something. He acts. He responds in faith to what God says. He said, come on, guys, get ready. God's up to something. He's about to do something quite incredible. He's going to give us a possession. He's going to give us a place that will be ours. I love that. It's fantastic. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge my own heart too. What promises has God made to you that you're still sitting on and not acting upon? Somebody said recently, not recently, years ago, rather, told me there used to be an old Christian hymn called Standing on the Promises. Some people said some Christians are sitting on the premises. 
So are you sitting on the premises or are you standing on the promises? I want to stand on the promises, not sit on the premises, okay? So whenever, whenever God speaks to us, is there anything he said to you and you know he said it to you and you're still sitting there going, nah, let's just bury that one for a little while. Let's just shove it to the side and maybe God will forget. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit comes back and nudges you again. Netherlands, yeah, Netherlands. And then after a wee while he comes back and goes, the Netherlands, the Netherlands. And he keeps on nudging you, yeah? And he keeps on, leave Whitstable, go up to that dodgy place called Colchester, yeah? Keeps nudging you. Keeps... So what, what things has God promised you? Are you just sitting on them? Or is God calling you to take action, to respond to what he's told you to do? Me too. It's a challenge, isn't it? Next one. Probably the most serious thing, apart from the scripture read that I need to say today is this one. It's a difficult story, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna nail it, okay? You don't fudge the difficult bits in the Bible. You try to deal with it. God's omnipresence provides us with an opportunity to grow in holiness. I, I, th I thought to myself in preparing this, what does holiness really mean for a Christian, someone who's a follower of Jesus? What does it really mean? Here's what I think it means. To become increasingly like him. When I was a little boy, I used to kind of get told in church the things not to do if you're holy. So, just a slight digress, but it's related to the point. I never went to, I never went to the cinema when I was a kid. That's the devil's world. Don't go there. I never went to the pub. Maybe partly understandable because I can probably say this because I come from there. Alcoholism's a problem in Glasgow. I'm not saying it's only in Glasgow, but it's a problem. I remember once going through Glasgow Central Railway Station and seeing a man who was, you would call him a tramp. He might have been down, but he's never out. But he's a tramp. And he was reading through the bins in Glasgow Central Railway Station. Someone told me he used to be a lecturer in the city. But alcoholism got a grip of him and his life was ruined. So my city has a, has a fair old problem with alcohol problems. And so I get it. My parents were probably being quite protective. But also... That's where the world goes, you know? Christians don't go there. So I was brought up, I'm not knocking people, I was, I was brought up with all the things you don't do, all the things you, the places you don't go, yeah? If you want to be holy. But here's the bottom line. You need to work some of this out for yourself and in relationship with others. Here it is. To grow in holiness means that your life and my life should increasingly become a more beautiful reflection of Jesus. I think that's what holiness is. Whether you're sitting in the pub, whether you're going to a bingo night with your granny because she needs Jesus, she needs, needs some company, wherever you go, where you carry his presence, you're becoming more and more like him. That's what it means. Here it is. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman so David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her. Let's get blunt. He had sex with her. Okay, let's get it over and done with. And the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Next slide, buddy, please. Just continues a little bit. Slightly later in the, in the story. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter, he wrote this. This is about the woman Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. 
Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. Okay, buddy, sorry to mess you about. Let's go back one again, back to the previous one. One of the key observations in the life of David is this. He was living, at this point, he was living without the conscious awareness of the presence of God. Just rewind the story, okay? A few things I want to say pastorally as well. I'm going to be straight up. I can walk down Colchester High Street. I could see a woman who looks gorgeous and go, wow, she's gorgeous. And move on. That's the end of it. That ain't the problem. Equally with some among us, you may look at a gentleman and think, wow, that ain't the problem. Who's with me? The problem is when you go past the 0.4 seconds. Can I say that again? When you go past the 0.4 seconds, 0.3 seconds, here's the problem. When I do this, start to turn it over in my mind. Start to think about she. Imagine what she would look like if she was bathing or bare. Lust kicks in. It kicks in and it gets a grip. So what do we need to do? For this, just before we get to back to the story, what do we need to do? Kill it dead! Right away. Whenever a thought comes into your head, whether it's this kind of thought or any other kind of thought that's ungodly, we have to kill it dead right away. Because if you don't kill it dead right away, guess what? It grows. And before you know where you are, you're in a bad place. Because the thinking's become a movie. Okay, that's what's, what's happening. So this guy, by the way, the interesting little background here, if you read verse 1, it said, at the time when kings go to war, David was meant to be at war. He's meant to be fighting. He's meant to be engaging in the battle. But he's on his couch. There's a time to rest, but there's a time to be engaging in the battle and not on your couch. So he goes out, he has a look. Think, walk away, David. No. Let's just suggest he probably had a good old look for quite a wee while. He thought, Whoa, who on earth is that woman? It gets worse. He sends people down there to find out who she is. He's getting very inquisitive now. He's getting very hooked in. And then these guys bring her up to his palace. He has sex with her. Then she's pregnant, but it, gets, it goes further. Who's ever heard that expression? Sin will take you further than you want to go. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Next slide. He then organized, sorry, back one of my apologies. Thank you. He then sends the woman's husband to the front line so he gets murdered, he gets killed. So he's an adulterer and a murderer. And yet the Bible, did you like that? Murderer. Some people like it when I say a murderer. Okay, because of my accent. He's a murderer, Inspector Taggart. Okay, there we go. Now, he's an adulterer, he's a murderer. The, the crazy thing is sin takes us further than we want to go. It started, not with a kiss, as the pop song says, started with a kiss. It started with a thought. And before we know where we are, oh my goodness, the guy's up for adultery and murder. This is the scary thing. At that point in his life, he was not living in the conscious awareness of the presence of God. Imagine this. If he'd gone up in his mezzanine or whatever, his balcony, 
and he was really aware of the Lord's presence, the outcome might have been different. In fact, I'm confident it would have been. Now, I'm not telling you this story because I'm saying this is what you're doing. I'm just giving you an illustration of the fact that it's very possible for all of us in whatever situations we find ourselves with temptation, it's very, very possible, isn't it, that if we don't live with the conscious awareness of his presence, we can just go off and do our own thing. And then the consequences are heartbreaking. So we've got to keep that in mind. Heibel, Bill Heibel says, hypocrisy is born in compartmentalization. Big word. It just means this. We leave God in church and we think that he doesn't accompany us throughout the week. We come here, thank you, Jesus, love you, Lord. And then the rest of the week, do we have that same awareness of his presence that we do when we gather like this? I think that's God's heart for us as a church. Every day should be full of wonder. Every day should be full of worship. Every day we should be aware. And I find that really challenging, you know. Um, some of us find it a wee bit difficult, you know, with the old speedometer. You know? When we do things, we think... We do things that are wrong. <laughs> I do things that are wrong, you know, and sometimes we are just forgetting that it's like he's sitting right there with us all the time in every situation. So I'm not saying that as a heavy, but I'm saying it. I'm saying it because I love you guys and I care. I don't want any more broken homes. I don't want any more families smashed up. I don't want any more marriages destroyed because it's possible, it's possible to live with the awareness of his presence that will walk in purity, that will become more like Jesus Christ. That's my desire. I hope it's yours as well. I have a long way to go. There are plenty of things about me. My family, for starters, who know me best, can pick faults and go, oh, Dad, for goodness sake, I'm a, uh, hubby, whatever. You know, we all make mistakes. Yeah, come on. We're not standing up here telling people we're perfect people and we get it all correct. I mess up lots, okay? So relax about that, okay? I'm not trying to suggest I'm any better than anybody else. But the point is this. It's about your heart, isn't it? And here's the thing. David was known as a man who had a heart after God. What? But, but, but oh, come on. This guy was an adulterer. He's a murderer. What? He messed up. And some of us in the room know what that feels like to varying degrees when we, met, you know, we mess up. But he loved God. He just messed up. He went his own way. He was unaware of his presence. He, he slept. He, he, made a, he made a terrible mistake. And you can tell if you read the story further how grieved his heart was that he'd hurt the one that he loves. And that's uh, so crucial. So I'm going to finish here with a quick reflection. Uh, sorry, one more thing. Perhaps some, some, some writers, sorry, Matt, back one, buddy, thanks. Some writers actually suggest that perhaps after this story with David and Bathsheba, some writers reckon maybe that's when he wrote the scripture that Deb's read to you. Where can I go from the Spirit? I've messed up. If only I'd remembered, if only I'd been aware of your presence, I might have chosen a different path. Yeah? So through his, through his experiences, through his pain, he says, where can I go, Lord? You're everywhere. Not that he's scared of them, but he's just thinking, wow, you're amazing. You're utterly amazing. Where can I go from you? You're everywhere. You're so awesome. So on reflection, last slide. Thanks, Matt. Are you and I living with a daily awareness that God is present in every part of your life? What you say behind the office door when your boss is not there, how you apply yourself at work, 
He's there all the time. When you love your wife, he's there. Love your wives, guys. You know, and so on. Every situation of life, when you're with your kids, when you're playing with your kids, when you're doing daft, silly stuff like chucking plastic poo into a basketball hoop, you know, all that silly stuff, right? When you're just having fun with your kids, he's there. He's there all the time. Are you and I living in awareness of that, or is it just something we switch on to on a Sunday at life group, you know? Um, in your thinking, in your speech, in how you conduct yourself, and sometimes your inactions, you know when you, you know that feeling when you know you should have done something, God's prompted you to do something, you chicken out, you go, don't do it. And secondly, how are you responding to the awareness that God is with you and indeed living in you if you're a Christian? How do you respond to that? I want us today to really believe God for some breakthroughs, okay? Those that need comfort, you know, let's draw near to him and receive his comfort. Those who need to grow in courage. When I, when I look at the way some believers in the world today are having to live for Jesus, it's quite humbling, really. Yes, it's getting a bit tighter in this nation. Yes, it is. The screw's tightening a little bit. People are getting a bit of grief, yeah, for standing for what they believe in the Word of God. It's getting tighter. It's getting a wee bit, you know, I can feel it. I think most of us know what I'm talking about. Lots of issues that are getting uh, put onto our children, even at the youngest age. Uh, this is the way you'll think. No. This is what the Bible says. If you're coming from a Christian family, you want to be raising your kids in the ways of the Lord. You want to love other people. You want to be kind and gracious and caring, but you're going to stand on the Word of God. The two can go together. Don't listen to the lies that say they don't. Uh, pray for breakthroughs also in living free of fear. That's a big one. If there's anything today you need help with, come and see us. Come and get prayer. Someone who's a, a believer who's brought you today, receive the freeing power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God is so vital in living in the truth um, and growing in trust and also walking in holiness. Maybe you should say this. In closing, we talked about walking in holiness. I just feel prompted right now to say this. If you've screwed up like David, even in the same area as David, God is merciful and gracious and compassionate and kind and forgiving. If you need to deal with it, deal with it and let that love and forgiveness and tenderness and grace and mercy be yours. Okay? Remember, Enemy, enemy talk. Oh my goodness, David, you've done what? You could never lead worship. You could never be somebody who's got a heart for me. You could never conquer kingdoms. You could never be a great man of faith. You could never be a king over my people. Line it up. Ditch it. Ditch it. Because the enemy will do everything he can to destroy you. Shall we stand together before we come back to worship and song? Let's pray, shall we? Please, 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 above all else, will you join me and just reach out now to God if you need to deal with some things or receive something from God on the back of that. Let's just pray. Father, thank you that right across this room today, your presence is real. Thank you that you are here thank you that there's nothing that's hidden from you and you love us despite it all. 
Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus Christ, your beautiful son, who gave up his life for us. It's incredible. Why would you bother Jesus? Why would you bother for a guy like me or people like us? Why would you bother? Your infinite love and compassion and tenderness and grace and mercy is so full. And we worship you today. We thank you you're alive. We thank you that you're able to change stuff. I pray across this church, this beautiful family at Redeemer, help us to kick out every lie of the enemy. Kick out every deceit, every lie from the enemy that tells us we can't do this and we can't do that. Help us to believe your word. Help us to take what you say seriously and believe in our hearts and apply it in our lives and see the wonderful things that you will accomplish for us as your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, people of God. Let's worship together.